Today's episode of The Buffalo Beat is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla, for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Well, it was incredibly close to the Buffalo Bills claiming their first playoff victory in 24 years, over 24 years, and the Buffalo Bills fell short for a bevy of reasons, many of which that we'll get into here on the Buffalo Beat, but it uh, was a loss in the playoffs nonetheless, their second loss in the playoffs in the last three years. And now the Buffalo Bills 2019 season is officially over with a 22-19 defeat by the hands of the Houston Texans in overtime. A thrilling game through and through, but one that left many Bills fans wanting more. Welcome in everyone to the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me is my co-host Matthew Fairburn. Thank you for listening to all different avenues, um, whether it's on the Athletic Podcast Network or on any one of the your free options. Thank you for doing so. And if you're a subscriber to The Athletic, and a special thank you. Um, but the Bills, a lot to unpack here because it seemed like they were on top of the world after the first half, shutting out the Texans. The defense was playing great. The offense put together some drives. And they got that. Crazy feel, crazy touchdown to start the game on a pass from John Brown to Josh Allen, and everything was coming up Bills from that point forward um, until halftime arose. And then I think where I want to start is how we saw effectively a complete regression from Josh Allen in the sequence of one game, and. It's, it's tough because this was the first one of these situations that he's been in. But at the same point, the Josh Allen that we saw from right around the end of the third quarter through the end of the game was basically the player that we saw at the end of last season. Guy who was a little bit reckless with the ball, got away with some stuff, made some really harebrained decisions. You know, I'm not sure which was worse. Maybe the the pitch to Dawson Knox or the the throw to, to Pat DeMarco down the field for a deep ball when he was in double coverage. You can argue about that amongst yourselves. But this was a game that Josh Allen, it was too big for him. And that was really one of the first times we saw it. When it came down to the stretch, it became too big for him. And that's a shame because it undid a lot of what he did from week five through week 17. But that said, they needed a play. They needed 
they needed a touchdown out of their quarterback, and they didn't get it. And you know who did? The Houston Texans. And that was the ultimate difference by the game. Yeah, so much happened in this game. It was bonkers, like a yeah. wild game. It was like, drunk. I, it was drunk. I very much feel for, you know, the people listening to this who, you know, have their emotional stability on the line watching yeah. a game like yeah, that. absolutely. Uh, because that's one of those games that is just the swings were unbelievable. And so much happened that it probably seems oversimplistic to drill down on one thing for yeah. a reason why they oh, lost yeah. the game. And I think that's certainly the case here, you know. But that being said, what it came down to was like you said, the, the Houston Texans had the better quarterback. Mm-hmm. And eventually that caught up with the Bills. You mentioned the the things that Josh Allen got away with. There were two consecutive pick six opportunities in the first half mm-hmm. for the Texans. Bradley Roby dropped one, and JJ one went right through J.J. Watt's hands on the next play. That was when the Bills were backed up on their own goal line. He had the fumble that got overturned. He had some of these moments where you were like, man, he's getting away with it. Yep. And in the second half, he continued to get away with it in a big way. Two dropped interceptions in that you know end-of-game sequence. Uh, Bradley Roby dropped one. The game wouldn't even have gone to overtime if, if he caught that interception. And then the one you mentioned, the throwing into double coverage deep. To your to fullback. Patrick, to, to Patrick DeMarco. And it hit a Texans DB in the chest. Uh if I if I saw it correctly when I, when I was watching, so so much that that he got away with, and yeah, not to mention that pitch to Dawson Knox, which was just like, what's going on? Yeah, uh, you know, like there's a lot of time left in this game. What are you doing? Yeah, and I think what happened was, in a lot of ways, this team kind of. I don't know if you know. Maybe the moment got too big. I'm not sure. But what happened was when when the game was on the line, when they were in the fire, they reverted back to kind of what they were before they had so much success. During the regular season, they were one of the most aggressive fourth down teams in the league. And in the third quarter, from from the Texans' 42, fourth and four, they punted. Mm -hmm. Corey Bajorquez put it in the end zone. The Texans went down and scored a touchdown. Net of 20, 21, I think. Texans go down and score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Go for right it. Right away, they're back in the game. Yep. Right away, they're back in the game because Sean McDermott didn't go for it. Mm-hmm. And from there, that's all it took. You know, the, the, the door was cracked open, and Deshaun Watson kicked it down because that's what good quarterbacks do, and that's what good teams do. And, you know, some of the coaching down the stretch, some of the play calling down the stretch, the fact that they were even in overtime is – a minor miracle. Yeah. Because they had no business being in overtime the way they were playing. To uh, the defense's credit, they made they made a stand on fourth, fourth yes. and one and that was, forced it. And you know, they deserve credit for that, but and we'll get into this later, but they also disappeared for a lot of the rest of the second half. They lost 36 yards on two plays. You know, they had they should have just t- been tying the game up before the defense even had to make that yeah. stop if Josh Allen didn't drive the offense backwards. How many times have we seen that where in the 30-yard line range, 
he doesn't have the awareness to get rid of the football and know that he can't take a sack, like absolutely cannot take a sack, cannot take negative plays. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was a lot of when the game was on the line, it felt like Josh Allen was playing desperate for the last, like, from about five minutes on, and he didn't need to. Like, there was no need to play desperate when all you need is a field goal. And like I said, I don't know if you'd say that I don't know what you attribute that to moment getting too big or, you know, just the fact that this was kind of who they were all season long. Right. They were a play or two away or a, or so close against good teams. They were 0 four against teams with 10 wins or more this year. Throwing throwing this game into the mix now. So against the best teams in the biggest moments, they didn't come through. They were a play away from tying the game against the Patriots. One throw away from tying the game against the Ravens. Uh, any number of plays away from, you know, doing something here. So, I don't know. It's a tough way to lose yeah, it is. if you're the Bills. I mean, and you could tell in the locker room after the game that it was a gut punch. I mean, it's tough to lose in the playoffs, but this one was was even harder because to let a 16-point lead slip away mm-hmm. in the second half, it's – it's pretty inexcusable. You needed a touchdown on any one of those three field goal drives. If you want to boil it down sure. to that, that, yeah, that that's basically it. Look, nine carries for 92 yards for Josh Allen. Uh, he had the touchdown catch, which, you know, brilliant first drive by them all around. The 42-yard run from Josh Allen, uh, the catch, and everything's kind of clicking at that point. He attempted 46 passes for 264 yards against a secondary that, against a tough schedule, statistically was one of the worst in football all year and was without Jonathan Joseph and Tashawn Gibson. Mm-hmm. And with J.J. Watt, I don't know what his snap count will end up at, but he wasn't playing all of them. So 264 yards on 46 attempts. In games when they needed the offense or their quarterback to keep up they couldn't do it in their five losses throw out the Jets game heading into this one because the Jets game the starters weren't playing it was a throwaway game five other losses they were averaging 14.6 points per game and had not exceeded 17 points they got 19 in this one but had almost five quarters to do it I mean it's just not enough and Maybe it's part of a, a maturation process for this group. Maybe they can take a step forward. But the fact of the matter is, you're not always in these situations. You're not always in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And this isn't that good of a Texans team. They should have won this game. You had an opportunity to win a game. They should have won the game. And then who the hell knows what happens. Mm-hmm. And so to think, well, they're a young team. They'll be back. This is just the start. You just never know, and so right. to to piss away an opportunity like that is it's got to be tough for guys in that room, and and we'll learn a lot about them, you know, seeing how they respond. It was a complete collapse. There's really no other way around it. the The Bills had them exactly where they wanted them. It was going to script. 
The defense was playing out of their mind in the first half. DeAndre Hopkins didn't catch a pass in the first half. Right. I mean, they had multiple sacks on Deshaun Watson. They were getting pressure on him. They they made they flustered him in the first half, and and then you know one mistake leads to another. There are a lot of culpable parties in this, but the reason why I wanted to start with Josh Allen is because it was just it it was frustrating in, in the sense that the. It was frustrating in the sense that when you had the uh, when you had all of those opportunities and to see him just I know I used this word before but to regress in the way that he did in the context of just one game and yeah he did get away with some things but he was also not making as many as asinine decisions as he did. At, from the midway point through the third quarter, basically through the end of the game. And it was just, it was like, this guy, we, we've seen all of these positive signs forward, and it it shouldn't do this, but it's going to feel this way for a lot of fans, that he basically undid all of these things because how he just came apart at the seams. I mean, Sean McDermott, after the game, said... You know, it, he he was just doing a bit too much, uh, trying to do a bit too much out there, which was absolutely true. And what we saw was the Josh Allen that thought he was on a six and ten team again with Robert Foster and Zay Jones as his receivers. He it, it was almost as though he didn't have trust in his teammates at times, and just trying to do too much rather than taking the smart play, losing thirty three yards on third and fourth down is freaking inexcusable uh, near the end of the game. And I know he was trying to get the ball away, but, man, just get the ball out quicker, take the sack, do something, do do anything differently in that situation. And he didn't. And that's what's going to frustrate people because now after all of the... And, and this is going to have a ripple effect because from all of the good work he did through the season without the national eye on the Bills. All of that work is effectively undone in his reputation throughout the league because now it's like, well, yep, that's the Josh Allen we saw at Wyoming. That's the draft prospect we saw. And that is going to infuriate a lot of fans because it's probably not the whole truth, but the fact that he did it in the biggest of spots is disheartening in itself. But he's just, he needs to learn from this. If you want to take any grain of optimism from this. It was a shitty loss, no doubt about it. And <laughs> I don't use that word often on this podcast, but it, it, it's very much in uh, in play here. The one shred of optimism you can take away is that this is going to stick with Josh Allen for a long time, and it's going to permeate in his mind because we have known him to be one to want to implement changes pretty much immediately. And the fact that he doesn't have that opportunity now probably means you're going to see an incredibly, or you should see anyway, an incredibly motivated Josh Allen throughout the offseason. That's really the shred of optimism right now. But what he did out on the field, there were a lot of other factors that also cost them the game. But Josh Allen did the Bills no favors basically from the end of the, the the first drive on it was 
there were some good throws, but gosh, there are just so many missed opportunities, and and he was to blame for a lot of it, mostly in the second half. I don't, I'll, I'll take the first half out of it. The second half on, that's he needs to be, he needs to be better than he was. He needs to play, make one play, and he didn't, and Deshaun Watson did, and that's why the Texans are advancing um, in terms of quarterback play. They had the better quarterback, the better quarterback won. Even Josh Allen said it after the game. You know, that's what usually comes down to. These games are won by the better quarterback play, and I need to be better. And it's good that he that he knows that about himself. He knew he knows that he needs to be better than he was. But gosh, he just completely unraveled out there. And that's that's gonna be a tough one for him to watch. One thing I will I don't wanna say take issue with. We don't have issues here on right. the podcast. We're pretty amicable. I think the one thing I will say in terms of a regression, I would call it more a regression to the mean in the sense that, you know, mentioning that he undid a lot of the progress, I think is fair. From a national perspective. No, I think it's fair in this sense that the, the perception, perception is everything in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But when you look at a lot of the metrics surrounding Josh Allen, a lot of it will tell you that he, while he made a step forward this year, it wasn't a huge leap into mm-hmm. the top 10 or 15 quarterbacks in the league. 23rd in adjusted net yards per attempt, 24th in expected points added. By most measures, I mean, QBR, if you like that, he was 24th. Pro football focus grade, I know everybody hates that, but he was 27th. Um, he, he improved in taking care of the football, but what they did was kind of almost take the ball out of his hands a lot more mm-hmm. and simplify things for him. And when the ball was in his hands in a lot of these moments, it didn't go well. Uh, and so heading in the – this is what's interesting about this game to me and this, this loss in general is that when you zoom out and take the big picture, what was the, all the talk coming into the game? Bills are ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. They're ahead of schedule. They're in the playoffs. Ten wins. They've got their quarterback. They've got their coach. They've got their GM. Extend these guys. They've got the three most important pieces locked in. And they're ahead of schedule. It's only going to get better. Year four was supposed to be the year, right? So year four is what they're building towards. So now what you're you're dealing with is coming off a ten-win season, first-round exit, a year in which your quarterback showed some growth, you're looking at a situation where expectations, whether you like it or not, you're not going to be able to hide from them next year. This year, they sort of tried to downplay it, right, in the preseason and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, we're still building. We're still, you know, we're not going to put a win total on it. We're just trying to play better football. And frankly, people probably would have been okay with a 9-7 and seven season or a, or a narrow exit, depending on how it looked, a, a narrow miss of the playoffs, depending on how it all looked. What are expectations going to look like next year? I don't you know. You know what I mean? It took a hit. The what? expectations certainly took well, a hit after that. Well, did they today. take a hit or did the heat go up? Did expectations take a hit or does the heat just go up? I don't know. It's. I, I think it's going to be an interesting thing to follow throughout, throughout the offseason because would it be unfair, and it's early, right? We're, this is fresh, but hey. We're here. We mentioned Tim Tebow on the <laughs> podcast this week, so sometimes... Sometimes things just come out when, when once uh, the podcast gets rolling. But would it be unfair to call 
next year is a make-or-break year for Josh Allen. I'm sure we'll have that discussion. Yeah, we're going to have that conversation. That conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think it will be, but should it be viewed that way? I think it kind of should be. I mean, if he if he has a slightly better season than what he had this past year, then he's probably fine. Well, that's a that make. Sense. That's a make. Sure. Okay. If he ha- if he goes backwards, yeah. Are you looking for a new quarterback the following off season? Or maybe you go down the the veteran. Right. You probably should. I don't think role. it's a make or break year for the whole regime necessarily. Mm-hmm. But when you build it up to saying year four is the year, yeah. so now what? If they don't win a playoff game next year, if they don't make the playoffs next year, heaven forbid, pr- the pressure's on all these guys because in the biggest moment, they came up pretty small. And I'm talking about Josh Allen and Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. mostly. And we'll get to this too, but, but Brian Dable uh, yeah. came up pretty small in the second half. He's yeah. probably not going to want – he's going to have to hope that the Haslams had an afternoon nap in the second <laughs> half and only watched that first drive when he goes in for his interview tomorrow. Well, I do want to touch, you know, very slightly on, on what you said there. I, I do want to clarify that the the Bills themselves have never once said, you know, year four is what it's all about. But that's that's been the insinuation. No, but they, they've it's hinted been the insi- strongly yeah. enough yeah. at it with yeah. the whole we fixed the cap. Yep. We, you know, we we got it turned around. Yep. Yeah. But there was always a, hey, we got a young quarterback. We're a young team. Yeah. Hell, unless they think it's a five-year build. Yeah. But the point being is they've kicked the can down the road on expectations. And they're not going to be able to hide next mm-hmm. year. And they're going to have to play the AFC West and the NFC West. They have to go to Arizona, Denver, Vegas, and San Francisco after Houston was the farthest west they traveled this year. Four West Coast trips. It was an easy road schedule this year in terms of miles traveled. Right. They had Cleveland and Pittsburgh that were puddle jumps. This was the farthest road trip of the year. Mm -hmm. And, And they saved it for the postseason. So not that Denver is the West West Coast, but it's a it's a farther trip. Uh, Arizona I mean you don't know strength of schedule this far out but the point being four long road trips mm-hmm. uh, two notoriously tough divisions with the NFC West and the AFC West which isn't the toughest but you got Kansas City You got there, there's some things to deal with there so it sets up for an interesting an interesting year next year in the sense mm-hmm. of you need to to show some some growth you know you you can change the signs from from playoff caliber to championship caliber but you need to to change the team to championship caliber too and i think all along we knew this wasn't a championship caliber team yep the question is can it get to be a championship caliber team with this quarterback. That is something that we won't know the answer to until probably next season, the year after that, but we're going to have to see some tangible signs next year because it's no longer the, the well, let's just see how it goes this year. Let's just see the progress. No, the, it, the progress is no longer okay. Like He has to start becoming the guy, 
Yeah, and progress means win a playoff game. Progress yeah. means... And they had an opportunity to win today, and, and the game became too big for them. And people will hate this, right? But progress means, like, probably once, just once, like, throwing for 300 yards. And people will say, oh, that's a stupid stat. Well, it's not a stupid stat when you throw 46 times. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks that throw for 300 yards and lose games. And Deshaun Watson didn't do it today. But how about yards per attempt? Mm-hmm. You know, 46 attempts and 264 yards. You're not winning a lot of games playing like that. And and a lot of these games, you know, he didn't pass for a touch he didn't pass for a touchdown today. He caught a touchdown. He caught a touchdown. So outside of a a trick play, you know, you got to you just have to, he's got to be better. I mean yes. I mean he's and it was his first playoff game and we we mentioned that that, you know, that was a factor. A lot of quarterbacks playing in their first playoff game don't have a ton of success. Deshaun Watson didn't last year, so maybe he learns from it, grows from it, and comes back next year and wins a playoff game. I think short of that, there's going to be questions about him. There's going to be questions about this team if that's the next hurdle you have to clear. A lot of goodwill built up mm-hmm. with this season. And, man, it can go away quickly. Mm-hmm. Sure uh, and I think people will eventually settle in and say, okay, they they lost in ugly fashion. They blew it spectacularly. However, you know, cap space, draft picks. They have all Young that. quarterback. Yeah. Young core. Everything's perhaps looking good. Yeah. But they're now going to be that team that it's not just – it's not – just cute anymore to win games mm-hmm. uh they've they've woken something up in the fan base where frankly they're going to expect more of what they saw this year mm-hmm. thanksgiving can't be your super bowl mm-hmm. sunday night football can't be your super bowl the super bowl needs to be the super bowl because that's what so. you know it's okay to to adjust the bar and it's actually interesting you say that because you know, one of the, I guess, takeaways from last week was that Sean McDermott had changed some signage around the building where it went from playoff caliber to championship caliber. And even when he was asked about it after the Jets game, um, he said, because that's that's what it shifts into. That's what it needs to be about. And he even used the words that he doesn't really use all that often, Super Bowl. He said that in an actual press conference setting. And so that needs to be the expectation moving forward. And it has to, I mean, there's, there's no other way around it. There's, you, you can't keep the kid gloves on forever. It has to go down this track, has to go down this path. Because if you're just okay with making it to the playoffs or being in the, the, in the hunt area, that's exactly where they came from. That's, it's not good enough anymore. They have exercised so many different demons with this franchise, and they've done a nice job of it. But now they need to the advancement, and that's what they're going to have to do some soul, soul searching. They're going to have to make some tough decisions in the offseason. They're going to have to add a draft class that will help them immediately. And they, they did a nice job of that this year with getting Devin Singletary going and Dawson Knox and... You know, Ed Oliver is, seems like a, a rock-solid pick and a potential star at defensive tackle, but... Not picking in the top 10 this time. They certainly aren't in the, in the early 20s there, but that's, it, it all has to build up now, and 
on the positive side, they've gotten you here, right? They, they have gotten you to this point where you feel just like the carpet got pulled right out from underneath you, but they also did so many good things throughout the year to get you to that point where it's like, okay, now I kind of expect them. Like a lot of fans were coming into this game thinking, man, they got a real shot and they did and they should have won it, but it just, it got away from them and their youth in key areas showed. We've, we've been banging the, the Josh Allen drum for a while. Let's get into Brian Dable a little bit. Um, well, how about this? Let's, uh, Let's shift to some awards because I think that's going to lead to some conversation. Well, yeah, but, but because Brian Dable, I would like to let's just sure. let's just throw it all into the pot. Brian Dable, I would like to nominate for the Vontae Davis Award. <laughs> How about that? You, I'm just going to do it out of order. You get it because while Done. we're so take it away on Brian Dable, what? but I'm going to nominate him and, and well, yes. So, but gonna, take it away on Brian. Yeah, Dable. he was going to be part of my award section as well. Um, all things considered, his first drive was phenomenal. He was Aces. He was doing things and calling out personnel packages that teams hadn't seen before this time around. And it, even through the rest of the first half when they got a couple more field goals and then starting off the third quarter getting another field goal, fine, sure, whatever. Then it almost it, – it's been interesting because he's been so in tune with what – with um, you know, trying to calculate things and, and trying to set opponents up. And then at the end, it just seemed like he didn't have answers. And I think the especially infuriating thing, which was in the buildup to the uh, intentional grounding and then the sack near the end of the game, having Frank Gore on the field for two consecutive plays was just... My God, it was, that was also inexcusable. And Josh Allen had a throwaway incompletion on first down when it was a personnel package of Frank Gore, John Brown, Isaiah McKenzie, Lee Smith, Patrick DeMarco. Then on second, second down, they try an outside run with Frank Gore when they're losing 19-16 to at the time. And predictably, he gets a three-yard loss. But what are you expecting when that same personnel package that is out there? It hasn't worked for the majority of the year. It felt like they were... Felt like they were out of answers. It felt like they were coaching scared. A little bit, At yeah, that point. For sure. They were scared to put the game yeah. in Josh Allen's hands. And it's hard to blame them for that, but then there's also no answers. But the thing is, they were scared to put it in his hands, but they also put it in his hands! At the wrong times. <laughs> yeah, at, at the wrong times, yeah, you're, right. you're right. Because, you know, there were there were times where you're like, why are they passing the ball? Yeah. You're right. Uh, there were... How about, uh, how about in overtime when they were driving and it seemed like a freaking two-minute drive rather than, hey, you got time. It's There's like nine minutes to go in overtime, and guess what? If you don't score or if no one scores... You get another overtime. It's really as, not that hard. As Booger McFarland may or may not have said on the broadcast, I don't even know, but seems like something he would say. The game cannot end in a tie. Someone has to win. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite moments of the game. I feel like game, Booger probably said that. When, when Tony Corrente, right, right when they were doing the coin toss, was, was like, someone has to win this game, or I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was like, it just had me laughing hysterically. But, but yes, why... In overtime, is or some of those times like we talk about when they're on like the thirty-ish 
and Josh Allen's dropping back. How many times have we seen him screw that up? And that's when they're putting the game in his hands. It yeah. just it was confusing, and I'll have to go back and watch all Same. the plays to kind of get a good feel for what the hell they were calling, why they were calling it. I never really like to be in the moment too overcritical of play calling, but the fact of the matter is the offense did nothing in the second half, and I put a lot of that on Dable It's about to Allen. It's about personnel groupings and knowing the team and knowing what got you there. I think that drive, the the one where they it, it unraveled and they got the intentional grounding and then the 19-yard sack to turn it over on downs, that was especially infuriating because, do you remember how that drive started? Devin Singletary went bananas. Yeah. It was a screenplay. It was a dynamite call. And it, honestly, the... <sighs> The gumption that Brian Dable had to call that pass play on first down, he deserves a ton of credit for calling it in that spot because Houston wasn't expecting it. They executed, boom, got the got the ball down the field, 38 yards. And then, next two plays, Singletary gains six yards, gains another three yards to make a third-and-one situation. Then Josh Allen, with like a fake option play, gets three yards. They had Houston guessing at that point. And what do you do? Bring in the heavies, damn it! Frank Gore, Patrick DeMarco, Lee Smith, get on in there. What the hell was that? And I, we, we've talked about the, the idea of criticizing play calling and how a lot of times it's just totally execution-based. It's easy but, to do. It's easy to yes, armchair QB. But it's, it's very low-hanging Personnel group. is a personnel little... Personnel groupings that's is easier. inexcusable. Like, people who want to complain about Frank Gore being on the field and getting the football too much, I would agree with you. Because you want to know what... Uh, and I can't remember if we brought this up or not on the uh, on the podcast, or I, I get confused about where I say certain things. But if Frank Gore was so important, why is he carrying the ball in Week 17? Oh, they know that he they know that he's not that important. They were okay with all right if he not that they were rooting for it, but they put him out there. He's a 36 year old running back, and he's playing in a game where you're resting your starters. Devin Singletary is inactive. That's your guy. Trust him. So yeah, offense in general, the the coaching, the play calling, the you can throw it all in one bucket. When you score three points in the second half of a playoff game, a lot of people are to blame. But what doesn't make any sense to me is that in New England, they had Devin Singletary on the field every single snap except two, and they were both on the goal line. One of which was a pass play to Deion Dawkins for a touchdown. So it, it, they basically phased him out. And then, by what did he do to not earn anybody's trust at this point? I know he up did up, nothing in this game. To he didn't fumble. Yep. Up until the up until those two snaps, and this is this is even more fodder for you all. Frank Gore, by my count, had 16 out of 62 snaps. Against New England, I believe it was like he had 2 out of 64 total. So why, in the playoffs, is Frank Gore getting 14 additional snaps on basically the same amount of snaps that you have to that point in the game? It, it, makes, it makes no sense whatsoever. And, you know, he's going to have to... And after those two plays, Frank Gore did not play again. And... You know, because they're like, well, you know, this this Frank thing's probably got to stop. But, gosh, it was just a total misfire on personnel. And Singletary was, especially with Josh Allen playing the way that he was, playing scared even at times, and going back to end of 2017 Josh Allen that, that we saw that was 
highly erratic, but sometimes some big plays, and you never quite know what you're going to get. You had that. end of 2017. Josh Allen was a mess. Had at that Wyoming. Right. Well, no. Well, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. End, end of 2018. My, my mistake. I'm just I'm just busting some balls. It's a roller coaster. It was a freaking roller coaster. It, it, at some point, it's like, is it good, Josh? Is it bad, Josh? Who the, what, the, what the hell are we watching? He right doesn't now? even know. It's, right. it, it, it's too. You can't play that way. No. You can't have any success playing no. that way, frankly, as a quarterback. All right. We're going to get into the awards section. But Why don't I? Sw- oh, yeah, but, go ahead. But first, ahead. before we do that, uh, the second week of the playoffs is upon us. The bad news is that there's only a few more weeks left in the football season. But the good news is you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. And if you've never played before, there's even more to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million top prize this coming weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at the $1 million top prize. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. With only the best football teams left. There's no better time to be playing. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN. That's R-U-N. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code RUN, R-U-N, and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum of a $5 deposit is required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com. For details. All right, you wanted to flip things around. Where'd you want to flip it to before we well, get into awards? You know, it's been a lot of things that are probably raising the blood pressure of Bills fans. <laughs> we do have to give out a Matt Barkley award, and I'd like to give it to Stephen Hauschka. Yeah, absolutely. Not that, because, you know, we I actually mentioned this in our Q&A, live subscriber Q&A we did at The Athletic on Friday afternoon. Somebody asked for pregame nominations, and I mentioned it's getting kind of hard because coming out of nowhere is difficult and at this stage. You know, when we talk about the teams and analyze the team as much as we do, mm-hmm. uh, nobody's all that surprising. So it's not that, you know, Steven Hauschka, you know, came out of nowhere. But to have the season that he did and to nail the field goals that he did, mm-hmm. they don't even have a shot if yeah. he's not. And settling for field goals was brutal for this team but he was aces and that 47 yard field goal they're not even playing in overtime without that and you could say it's an easy make but i would think bills fans of a certain age know that it's not Mm -hmm. so um kudos to him for getting his season back on track when it looked like it was going off the rails a little bit um good for him uh and i think good for the bills that they don't have a kicker problem to add to their list going into the offseason and the catalyst to an entire turnaround, when they put a claim in for Chase McLaughlin, he has he missed since? I don't know that he has. I'm not sure, but it, it seemed to snap him out of it. Yeah, for it sure. really did. And he's he's been absolute money since that point in time. So, yeah, 100%. And he, he, mentioned, he, he mentioned he has not had a season like that with media and public scrutiny in his career. Wow. And so to kind of— it wasn't even that much. And to kind of figure it out is— is pretty uh it's it's worth a a stick tap yeah so good for steven Hauschka. wrong sport i know you played hockey growing up it's all sports sports ball 
all, all together. <laughs> we love sports, and we don't care who knows. Sports ball, 5,000. <laughs> um, yeah, also, want to say Duke Williams as well. Yeah, that was a good game from Duke Double Williams. Double-digit targets for him. And I'll, I'll give you a... I'll give you a bonus. Uh, Matt Barkley? A, well, not a bonus Matt Barkley. We've done two Matt Barkleys. We've got to stop it at some point. You're going to give me a bonus a Vontae bonus Davis. A bonus Vontae Davis. All right, you're just handling Vontae Davis right now. To Tredavious White. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hopkins did not have a catch in the first half. Six for 90 in the second half. We'll have to go back, see how many of those were on him, but that 41, 42 yard or whatever it was, mm-hmm. was. Just leave it at that. Yeah. Six for ninety in the second half. He did fumble one, and Trey punched it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a tale of two halves for that matchup. DeAndre Hopkins got the better of him when it mattered. Uh, let's see what's next. The well, we've got the Dree Archer. Dree Archer, who didn't show up yeah, at all. I, I I will take this one. I just have to double check, make sure. Okay, he had some stats, but I'm giving it to Cole Beasley. He had four for 44. He had the drop on a kind of a low throw uh, down the stretch. But How about we just go with the Bills' one-two wide receiver punch in general? Yeah. They didn't. I mean, John Brown and Cole Beasley combined for eight catches for 94 yards on 13 targets. Well, Pretty the, pedestrian. The reason why I'm singling out Cole Beasley here is because he had his snaps cut into this week. And I guess maybe that's... Another issue with Brian Dable, the fact that you're going away from one of your primary receiving pass-catching assets. And how about this? Cole Beasley was out-snapped by Duke Williams tonight. 58-55 to by my count after the game. Very unofficial, but, but yes. John Brown had nearly 30 more snaps than Cole Beasley in this game. And had only six more yards. That's and true. And the same amount of catches. And if he gets his That's feet inbounds on that play where he had a chance to get his feet inbounds, we probably had a first 35 minutes of this podcast probably sound a lot different. John Brown did throw a touchdown pass, though. So he I'll give him credit for He did throw a touchdown pass. So Cole That's Beasley, right. here it is for you. Because even when he was on the field, I mean, he had a couple of clutch throws. He had one play that really sticks to mind where he was wide open in the middle field and he turned around and made a guy miss other than that there was not a lot to Cole Beasley's day he had so that play was a 21 yard gain the rest of it was three catches for quick math 23 yards an added nomination to the Bills tight ends yeah two catches Dawson 22 Knox yards that one big play in one catch where he, yeah. he shook a guy don't uh, forget that Lee Smith catch yeah, I did catch that. At two for 22. Eight yard. Wait, he had two catches? No. Oh. Total oh on t- Bill's tight ends. I'm like, did they I were targeted out? five times, oh. which shows you that they didn't really show up because they weren't getting open. This is against a Texans oh, defense that in the short middle area of the field, which is why Cole Beasley's a great nomination as well, they flat out sucked all year. And so whether you want to say Brian Dable or the personnel didn't take advantage of it, both would probably be true. And, you know, so it goes. Let's let's move on to come on, Darlene, because uh, I thought I had this one. Like it was going through the first half, I'm like, man, I have what I'm I'm gonna uh, have to be the come on, Darlene. And then once the Bills just threw up on themselves in the second half, I'm like, well, I can't make it that anymore. It was going to be, and this does not count for the official bracket, everyone. It was going to be 
Bill O'Brien trotting out Will Fuller 15 minutes before the inactives come out for some gamesmanship, some, a real big football guy move. Yeah, go out there, run routes. 15 minutes before the inactives come out where he was ruled out. What? Just, come on. Getting loose for the divisional round. Yeah, I'll say. Um, so, yeah, but that is that is not my entrant. Uh, I will go with something I have mentioned. Well, slightly something I have mentioned. I will go with the Bills' infatuation in this playoff game with Frank Gore. It doesn't make any sense. Singletary took the offense to different levels when he was finally the feature back. And Frank Gore did a whole lot of nothing. He had the one 14-yard gain today. But outside of that 14-yard gain, you know what he had? Eight yards on seven carries. Yeesh. Why was there an infatuation with putting him in the game with a heavy set offense? It just... The come on Darlene of the year, perhaps. I think it's going to be in consideration, especially with the... The thoughts after. And Frank Gore, illustrious career. Don't mean to, to this to be a complete slight on him, but he can only do what he is able to do. And the fact that the Bills were continuing to put him in those situations in this game, especially on that type of drive when Singletary was just gouging them for yards. What the hell are you thinking? Just, uh, so Frank Gore, the infatuation with Frank Gore versus the Texans in the second half. That that's that's my come on, Darlene, contribution to you, Matthew. I'm going Sean McDermott. Ooh, why not? Um there's a few reasons. I'm gonna say the punt early in the second half yeah, on that's fourth a good and one. four from the Texans forty two. And the end of first half game management. A chance to put the game away and go for a touchdown. Felt like as soon as the the Bills have not had a chance to play with a lead all that often, like a big lead and be front runners, and it felt like they were playing the rest of the game not to lose. And I put a lot of that on the head coach, and there were a few times where there were chances to just end the game, and they didn't take advantage. And I think the punt was the most egregious. I think that turned the game in so many ways. Um, and they did force a turnover right after the, that punt? They, they, Is that the one you're thinking of? Yeah, I thought that was the one that led to... Or no, what ended up happening was they did force a turnover yes. because DeAndre Hopkins fumbled. Right. J.J. Watt had the sack that held him to a, to a right. field goal. And then but, they scored the But touchdown. regardless, but, they, they had been going for it on fourth down all year. Again. And in that I, situation, they turtled. A chance to put the game away. A chance to you know put your, your foot on their throat. And yeah, they turtled. And I just think... You gotta. They've been one of the most aggressive fourth down teams all year in the league, and I think a bonus. It's playoffs. I'm going for a bonus. What in the what in God's name was going on on the opening kickoff of the second half? <laughs> it was so good. Like it was the, so good. I, I would say the official who initially called it. I loved the just the audacity of him. He was like he looked at him. He was like, "Go on, do something." <laughs> and, then, and then he chucked the ball at him. And he just he's like, "Well, all right, here we go." <laughs> if anything, it's a safety because it's a forward 
pass. I just thought that was like the official forgot the second half started. So maybe that should be the – that needs to be in the bracket somewhere. That, that Throw it in a play-in game or something. But I felt Sean McDermott needed a little – needed an extra spot. I think he's only been in there once or twice. Yeah, man. That, uh, it certainly um, did not go the way that we thought it was going to go, especially after the, the way the first half happened. But that's why we're here for you all. Hopefully you found some slight therapy through this, perhaps shared some laughs. Also, I apologize for using the Lord's name in vain, but I just don't know what the ref was doing there. Yeah, well... That's For not, the record. That's now between you and him. It is. It'll um, be between me and the Lord, but I think if he was watching this game, he would understand. Yeah. All right. So, everyone take a breath. The Bills don't have another game. Um, but what is next is, you know, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are likely going to talk at some point this week, and then they'll start to shift into off-season mode, the Senior Bowl near the end of January, then the Combine in February, then owners' meetings in March, and then the draft in April, and then they're going to start and do it all over again. But, just you know, I think at least take solace in the slight fact, because I know this one's going to sting for a long time with a lot of you, and it, it should, because that's what happens in the playoffs, especially when you lose after having a 16 nothing lead. But the fact that they had taken advantage of all the opportunities that they had in front of them to get to this position, to undo a lot of the, the previous ailings of the organization, I don't think that should be lost on people, but that the fact that they were able to do all those things. Did the way it ended stink? 100%. But by leaps and bounds, this was a step forward for this organization with a head coach that seems like he's pretty good at what he does. A GM that has a plan, which is something that past Bills GMs haven't. And with the young quarterback that they're hoping to mold and that they need to grow from a game like this. So take solace at least in that. And I know it's going to take a while for that to happen, but you know, I'm, we're here for you. And we're not really going anywhere because you're still going to hear from us once a week um, throughout the offseason. But, but yeah, it's... Uh, there, there are some positives to take away from the season, but none of them really just feel like they're shining at this moment because the Bills lost and in an excruciating way. So, all right. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you to all of you for reading throughout the season, subscribing the way that you have, listening to us bloviate on the podcast. It's been really fun. And we added an episode throughout the season, and hopefully you guys enjoyed that throughout the year. So thank you to all of you. We really appreciate you supporting the podcast, everything like that. But like I said, we're we're not we're not going anywhere. This is a this is just a, a goodbye to the the post game podcast until next year, and then when we get those get that come on Darlene bracket going, that that's what we're real pumped up for. All right. So a special thank you to you all, Matthew. It's been a fun year, my friend. Cheers. Cheers, indeed. Um, year th- three of the podcast? Might be four. four. I'm not, four? I, don't, I don't even know anymore. Who's to say, yeah. really? I mean, it's time cool. is just a construct. 
but a, a thank you to our producer Danielle Lehman for a great first year that, that she was on board. Made our lives a lot easier. This One year. million percent. Um, and again, thank you to all of you for listening to us throughout the year. All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscalia. Thank you for listening to the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.